0: Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. Uh, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I am the Lord your God. Sorry, sorry. For I... The Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, for showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservants or maidservants, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, uh, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. But People remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Father, we thank you. For your inspired word. Okay, so if you can open your Bibles again to that passage that we read earlier in Exodus chapter twenty. Uh, this is the last instalment in our series uh, "Rules to Live By," uh, where we've been looking at the uh, the Ten Commandments. And uh, thank you for the responses I've had about uh, the series. Um, what a high calling! We have. Uh, We've been called to live with people of light and salt to this world. Uh, And in these Ten Commandments, um, the Lord gives us, uh, if you like, the minimum requirements of what it is to live a holy life. And uh, this morning we're going to look at uh, the first uh, two commandments. Uh, I've joined them together because I I just couldn't separate them. They just seem so intrinsically linked. Um, So it'll come up on the screen, but you can follow along in verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, as we reminded in our um, songs of worship. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents for the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me. And keep my commands. So those are the first two commandments. But of course the chapter doesn't start in verse 3. It uh, starts, funnily enough, in verse 1. And so have a little look at verse uh, 1 and 2. And God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That is how the Ten Commandments are introduced. It's introduced from story. Our story. Their story. Of where they came from. We don't love God because we're told to. I've said this on on many occasions. I I don't love my wife because I'm told to love her. I signed a bit of paper all those years ago. I love her because I love her. And it's, it's the same uh, for us as Christians when we come to the Ten Commandments. Uh, we don't love God because we're told to love Him. Although it's a it's a good commandment to love God, we love God because of a response that is in our heart for all that He has done uh, for us. Uh, one of the things that uh, has been sort of underpinning this whole series that when you look at the Ten Commandments, we can't live them. I've not met a person yet, and there's some great people here, some godly people here, but not one of us would say that we've kept the Ten Commandments. But we know a person who has, and his name is Jesus. And so, my salvation, your salvation, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer here this morning, it depends completely on the fact that he so completely fulfilled the law. Paid the price. Next weekend, come Friday, we'll be again reflecting at the foot of the cross. Why? Because he died in our stead. He took upon himself our sin, our guilt, our shame. And he took it on because he loves us so much. I remember when the kids were little, uh, we'd have this thing about, you know, how how much do you love me? Do Do you love me this much? And they go, no, no, I don't love you that much. I love you that much. I go, if you love me that much, I love you that much. And then, of course, and of course, you would get so wide. And, of course, you can't get to that point and not think about Calvary. See, I, I our love, it. If, we, if we're going to understand these first two commandments, it can't be because of a command. It comes from a response. I... Um I shared with you earlier in the series about a prisoner who'd come to know Christ uh, whilst he was in prison. Thank God so many people do find Christ in prison because of uh, prison ministries that go on up and down our land. And um, he'd broken a few of the commands, uh, like the rest of us, um, but he finds himself released from prison, goes to a church, and uh, he looks up and uh, he sees the Ten Commandments, and uh, um, his initial thought was, oh my goodness, not more condemnation because he'd broken quite a number of them. But the, the Holy Spirit whispered into his heart and he said, no, they're not commandments for you, they're promises. You, you will not murder again. You, you will not steal. You will not commit adultery. Because now you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in your heart. You see, the Word and the Spirit are so intrinsically linked. You can't live, you can live a moral life, and there are plenty of good moral people around us, but you can't live the Christian life. You can't love the way that God requires unless you have the power of Jesus' Spirit in you. Have a look at verse 2 again with me. It should be up on the screen. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery, he's the the God who, uh, at the tender age of fifteen, um, halfway up a mountain in mid Wales, there was uh, about a dozen of us and a million sheep, it seemed like that. But God opened His Word to me, I'd read, I'd read His Word. I've been searching His Word since about the age of thirteen. Um, God, had, God had certainly started something in me. I wanted to, I wanted to know about why I, why I existed. I wanted to know more about the cosmos. I, and I just found myself just searching scripture. And it was that one Friday night in a lovely balmy August evening. I just knelt at the foot of my bed and just, I wept. And I wept over my sin. I was only a boy of 15. I hadn't had that many years to sin that much. But I'd been pretty good at it. Um, I, and I said, just, yes, Lord, and what happened? I just had this picture of my sin, but I also had a picture of Jesus carrying it. That's a powerful image. And there's no wonder I wept. Because a huge part of me thought, why on earth would you ever do that for me? But it's the truth for all of us here who are Christians. That we've recognized that our sin has been laid on Jesus. The, the substitute, the Paschal Lamb has been slain for us. But whether you, you're a Christian or not Christian, that is true for you. He died, died for you. I, I don't want to sound simplistic, but I actually think it's it's quite easy to love a God like that. A God would do that. Let, let me put it in this for, for me. And he's done that for, for you. I have fallen. I'm guilty as charged. I have fallen in love with a Savior. I, I have. Anybody ask me, I just love Jesus. I I love Jesus. A lot of it is to do with verse 2 here. Because I know that he's brought me out from the power of sin. He doesn't just bring us out. He brings us out to bring us in. And he wants to bring us into fullness of life. Uh, I have come that you may have an abundant life. And the enemy, of course, wants to close us down. He wants to enslave us. He wants to take us back into bondage where we don't belong. But so often we find our feet going there. And, and he wraps us up with all kinds of stuff: guilt, all kinds of different addictions, all kinds of different weird thoughts going on in our mind about other people, but also about ourselves. And God says, if only you'd allow my word to set you free because that's where the truth is and that's where freedom lies. He said, then you will be free indeed. He brought him out to bring him in. Into a land flowing with milk and honey. I tell you what, that's uh, some land, isn't it? Um, Sue and I nipped over on Friday afternoon to see our folk in, in Swansea. And um, we can go two ways. We, we can, well, we can go a number of ways. But we can go belt down the motorway. Um, or we can go via uh, Brecon. Okay, which is longer. Um, guess which way I went? I went via Breton. I thought, I want to drink in this Vista. I was, t- I was talking to my-, my pals on Friday morning and saying, for me, uh, uh, wor- worship is so, so tied up in God's creation. It, it, was, it was instrumental in me coming to Christ in the first place. So actually being out in God's creation is huge for me. And do you know that bit where you, you, you go past the story arms? And then you, you come down and then you have this amazing valley in front of you. And in the spring, it's just even more glorious. And you, you, I just I, unbelievable. And see so was saying, keep your eyes on the road, love. <laughs> keep your eyes on the road because there's nothing stopping you falling off the edge here. But I tell you what, you're just captivated. Oh, my goodness. I, I can love a God like that who created this. <laughs> I, want, I wonder if you can hit the lights for a Val. I just want to show just a short clip now about people just expressing something of the, of the God that they've, they've met. What if God told you who you are? That in him there is no condemnation. No judgment. No rejection. What if God told you that he loves you? And that he will never stop loving you. What if God told you That he doesn't keep a log of past offenses Of how little you pray Or how often you've disappointed him What if he told you that you are righteous Because of his righteousness Right now What if he told you to stop beating yourself up That his grace for you abounds Even when you think the most horrible thoughts Because you are already made in his image What if he told you that if you repent And if he's your savior You're going to heaven no matter what. What would your life look like then? If you stop trying so hard. And just let God live his life through you. Grace. Mercy. Forgiveness. Salvation. Redemption. Through Jesus Christ. Our Savior. We are loved. We are saved. Now let's live it like we know it. I'm, am I the only one who's nearly weeping with that? Um, that's, the, that's, the God, that's the God we've been called to love. From the age of about 15 through to 40 something, um, I didn't see God like that. I saw God like that for others. But somehow, that, that God, he, he couldn't love me like that. And and it's a lie, of course. And um, the, 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 problem, the problem is, is that um, you can read truth as much as you like, but unless it actually permeates down into your heart, it actually does very little. That's why you can have people filled with God's Word in their brain, but actually, their lives are painful. I mean, painful to others. But but then a a moment came, and I've shared with you a number of times, and it's whilst I've been your pastor. And I realized that the image of God that I had, which was a little bit like a, a nasty schoolmaster that if you didn't quite live up and get the grades, then you'd have the cane. When I was a kid, I had the cane so many times. I almost lived in, a, in the headmaster's office. I tell you, I was so naughty. I know some of you are really surprised by that. Um, wow, well, I was so naughty. And uh, I, I I, don't know, I just, I just enjoyed being naughty, I guess. But um, it seemed a lot more fun. Uh, but anyway, that's another point. Um, but I remember, I, and they used to use... Um, these these gym shoes, do, do you remember that? And uh, I tell you, and a friend of friend of mine said, "Oh, David, there's no problem. So you just put a book down your down your trousers." And so I did that, and he saw that I had a book, you know, because actually the shape and whatever. So I got ten more, and I thought, just take the pain initially, boy. Um, but I had this image of God that was a bit like... And, and he was not a bad head teacher. Don't, please don't I was just a naughty boy who just wouldn't listen to rules. But when you carry that image of God in your heart, when it talks about fearing God, which means about awe and respect... Not the fear of getting to the head teacher's room, knowing good you're know, a whack. You, you can't respond in like. And so, uh, so now when when I come to the Father and and, and I think about the Father, I, I try. We, we talked about this on Friday at Leaders, but uh, we we need to have. Um, this this balance of being able to know that we can come to him as Abba, Father. That is such an intimate relationship with a, with, with, with a dad. But also come to him in awe that he is the God of the cosmos. But to know that not only is he with us, the God incarnate in Christ, but that he is for us. He's not just with us, he's for us. And, and so there was a flip in my heart and in my mind about when I come to this God, He's like that father who sees the prodigal and He's running like mad towards Him. I see that's the image I have now. I say, you, you can fall in love with a God like that. It's more difficult if you've got an image of Him being this tyrannical head teacher. In the New Testament, um, Jesus picks up on uh, this commandment. He's asked the question and uh, it'll come up on the screen. Uh, but if you want to follow it in your Bible, it's Mark chapter 12. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I'm going to suggest to you there are two key words uh, in those verses, and uh, one of them is love. Okay, thank you. Great, thank you. Anybody else (laughs) a wick? So one is love, and the other word is all. All. Every bit of me. I am to love God with every bit of me. My mind, my strength, my heart, my everything. And so why would we do that? Uh, we, we've already touched on a, a number of these things. But I think in uh, verse 2, the verse that we've been looking at quite a lot this morning, we see three primary reasons uh, as to why we do. Uh, first, first, if we look at the... Is it up there? Yeah. I am the Lord. He is the Creator. I'm the Creator. I, I just mentioned about the story arms. It could be just about anywhere in Wales could go up to one of John's fields on the farm. You could go, you could go anywhere and you just drink it in. See, and I were walking around Roth Lake uh, Thursday evening. And it, the light was just hitting that water. And you say, oh my goodness. Uh, we, we love him because he is the creator and we are the created. Uh, there is something, I think, incredibly humbling uh, to know that the Lord, the God of the universe, made us. But he's not just the Lord. If you look at it, he says, I am the Lord, your God. I still pinch myself that I can call him Father. And I do understand that some, some people have a problem in thinking of God as Father because they may have had difficult relationships with a father. Um, But what I would encourage you to do there, I'd like you to think about the kind of father that you think would be the most wonderful ideal father. And God is that on steroids. Last time I spoke, I mentioned that some of the names of God that are precious to me, one of them is this one El Shaddai, Um, literally, God of the mountains. Uh, It means the almighty uh, God and uh, when uh, life is difficult and the world is in a difficult place, I I keep going back to that title of God Uh, and just remember, God, everything seems to be out of control. But actually, I believe that you are El Shaddai, the one who is controlled, the one who owns the cattle on the thousand hills. You have the resources to sort this problem. Nothing's taking you by surprise. El Shaddai, the Lord, your God. Uh, Another one is this one, I mentioned this one, Jehovah Jireh, Uh, the Lord will provide. And uh, for those of you who have been Christians for a long time, you can give testimony, one after another, after another, after another, of the truth of that title. The one who provides, especially through the valley of death. Those dark, dark times that we would never vote to go into, and yet God does something with us in those periods that the sunshine can't bring. And there is, a, there is a closeness, there is an intensity in that relationship that, frankly, frankly, you can't manufacture in any praise and worship session. This is my favorite coming up. He's my saviour. And next Friday, which will be the highlight again of my year, up at the old school, singing at the foot of the cross, i remember again, I'll go back 40 odd years to that time when for the first time I ever realized of what he'd done for me. I still don't realize fully, don't, don't get me wrong, but I have some understanding of the love that took him The Savior. If we look at that verse again. I am the Lord. I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out. Brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery. He's my creator. He's my creator. He's my sustainer. Sustainer. He is my Savior. So why have I been emphasizing (laughs) it's one and two when we're supposed to be looking at three about having about loving God with all of your heart because when we stop and gaze about what our God has done for us don't you think it's easier to to love I want to say here that loving God first doesn't equate to loving others less. I come across this uh, misconception. Uh, we've got a wonderful group that meets on a Tuesday. Um, it's a post-alpha group, and it's a wonderful, wonderful group. And some of the questions there um, are, are just they're great questions. And one of the questions that, that that came out here is that if we if we are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but what, what about my kids? What about so and so? What about so and so? And I can't I can't remember if it I think it was Chris, some years ago when he, he talked about um, taking your bucket to 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 the ocean, and uh, because the the bucket the bucket represents it, represents our capac- capacity for love, okay. And some of us might have got a bucket. Some of you might have got a bathside bucket, okay? But baths are too too heavy to carry to the ocean, so let's use a bucket. The problem for you and me is that we so easily run out of love in our bucket. And so we have to keep going back to that ocean. And I remember Chris saying, he said, look, if you're going to go back to the ocean, make sure you've got a big enough bucket. Has stayed with me all these years, because what he's what he's saying is, is, is right. But but actually, what what I want to do with this is, and I've been have been sensing it in my own heart. Uh, I've been sensing that my bucket's been getting less and less with water or oh God's love. And one of the reasons for that is I'm not hanging out enough in the ocean. I, I'm not I'm not taking regular enough trips back up to the ocean fill it up again and there's all sorts of reasons why that doesn't happen for us it's not because we've suddenly fallen out in love with the ocean we I love the ocean I I love the whole idea about being filled up with God's love but stuff gets in the way and you know that and and so I want to I want to finish Here, by by actually encouraging us to take whatever size bucket we have and some of you have got remarkable size buckets I've been touched by (coughs) I've been touched by some of your lives in wonderful ways but if our bucket's that big or if our bucket's that big we've all got a bucket we just need to take it to the ocean I'm not going to stand here as your pastor and say to you this morning you need to love God more how helpful that will be I just want you to hang out with him because I tell you, when you hang out with Jesus you're going to fall in love with him I guarantee it now not everybody did because if you go to Jesus asking him to prove this and sort that and all that kind of stuff I, 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 don't, I don't think it'll make a huge amount of difference because the Pharisees did that with him. There he was, the true living God. They were there. They they're up close and personal. And as we'll re- remember again next Friday, they, they crucified him. So the condition of your heart as you go to the ocean is absolutely critical. If you want to go to Jesus and get him to be a performing dog, don't go. But if you want to go to Jesus humbly, knowing that he's the creator and we're the created, and that he's got every answer to every problem that you have or will ever face, then he'll meet you. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me, says the Lord. Ask, and it will be given. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. But go with grace. And go with humility. As Sue and I head off um, on sabbatical in two, three weeks' time. huge part of that period for me is to keep taking that bucket to that ocean. Um, to get filled and filled and filled and filled but it's not just for pastors it's for each of us in the busy lives that you have somehow to factor into your priorities this journey to the ocean can I say something I've been wondering whether to say this or not saying but I'm going to say it and uh, because I'm going off on sabbatical so you can show to John um, one of the big things that gets in the way of us taking our bucket to the ocean are our kids. They're our kids. The Lord says, you will have no other gods before me. And I tell you what, it isn't stuff, not even sores, that, that actually uh, captivate, captivate my heart, really. It's my wife and my children. And do you know, when our kids were growing up, if they're quite talented kids, you, you get this. They're involved in all sorts of things. Oh, they're good at rugby. Or they're good at gymnastics. They're good at this. They're good at that. Oh my goodness! my son came home to tell me that he'd been selected to go and play out in Barbados by a school he doesn't even attend. We were meeting ourselves coming backwards. And so many of you are. And you know what that does? It says that you love your kids, but it also says that you're so knackered. Sorry, am I allowed to use that word? You're so knackered that you haven't got time to get to the ocean and top yourself up. So what happens? They get a fried mum, they get a fried dad, and they don't see the peace and the joy and the love. Can I urge you, instead of taking them to some of these activities, take them to the ocean with you. Take them to the place where you hang out with Jesus. Oh gosh, that sounds so whatever. But I speak as a parent who's failed on that. So many times. But take them to the ocean with you. And that might mean that you've got to say, no, do you know, I know that you're gifted in this, but do you know no on that Wednesday night, you're not going to that. Controversial. but stuff that, I think it's true. God's word says to us You put me first. Don't give me what's left. You put in first place order what is first place. So I want us now, I want us to I want us to just whoa just just come down. And I want us to stop, and I want us to pause, and I'd like Chantal just to play something quietly for us. Because I I want you to think about where that ocean is for you. I also want you to think about that bucket. I know it's not a beautiful picture, but I think it's a helpful one, in terms of how, how, how full is that bucket. And I want you to think about how you're going to get yourself from where you are to that ocean. And maybe, who are you going to take with you? Father, we thank you for the reminders this morning of all that you have done for us. We thank you again for Jesus. Where would we be without him? We thank you that you loved us so much that you gave everything so that we could be redeemed. You've washed and cleansed us. Uh, You've filled us. Uh, You've set us free from bondage and that that holds us. And you've called us out to call us into a land of plenty, a life of freedom, no bondage, no slavery anymore. People who can soar, people who can sing, people who can rejoice. Father, we thank you that this is the God that you call us to worship. This is the God that you call us to love. And uh, Father, we pray, please, for myself, for my family. For my brothers and sisters here, that you'd help us to keep going back to the ocean. Ocean of your grace and of your love and of your forgiveness. That, Lord, that we might bathe in you. And that, Father, that you would fill us afresh. Lord, I'm conscious for my brothers and sisters, some feel dry as a bone this morning. Lord, would, they, would you help them to soak in you today? I don't know what their schedule is, I don't know what their plans are. Help each of us, Father, we pray, to visit that ocean and allow you, Lord, to move, move amongst us. Thank you that that's what you want to do. Thank you for this image that we have of a Father who runs towards us. Help us to receive your embrace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.